0: Hi, I'm Jim, and I'm David, and this is the Practical Guitars Podcast, the podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, I'm David, and I'm here with Jim.
1: Hi, I'm Jim. I'm here with Jason. And I'm Jason, and I'm here with... David and Jim. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Does that sound awkward See? enough? he didn't fumble it. No, he didn't. No, it's great. That was awesome. <laughs> oh,
0: So we, have, we, we obviously have a special guest here today. Um, before we get started, what I want to do is I want to uh, just let, you know, get, get some general housekeeping stuff out of the way. Uh, we have a Facebook group, uh, the Practical Guitarist Facebook group. Um, I believe it's practical guitars podcast. It's not practical guitars. And maybe next time I'll get this right. Uh don't join the group with that's basically that's basically how we do it here. And then the uh, uh we we would love for anybody who follows along and listens to us to uh solicit or to uh solicit. Yeah, solicit iTunes. Now go onto iTunes and give us a review and uh just you know give us a shout out, let us know what you think. Um and if you need to get in contact with us directly. Uh, you can reach out to us at PracticalGuitaristPodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, we made that okay, so easy to so type. So we're here. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so we're here with uh, Jason and Jim. Um, Jim, why don't you why don't you go into why we have we have Jason on here? Because I'm going to run through the questions.
1: Yeah. So um, what we're trying to do, uh, well, what we are doing, is we're reaching out to some folks that um, they play uh and um again this is a practical guitars podcast we're not a- necessarily looking to interview you know the the um stars we're looking to interview people who play guitar in various um uh formats whether it be in the studio live both um original music covers so on and so forth and so um we're we're going to be talking to higher guns we're going to be talking to people um you know who uh, record their own music in the safety and comfort of their own home. The people who go out there um, and re, who play in uh, churches on um, different stages of large and small venues. Because to be honest, everybody out there wants to kn- wants to know how to apply the information that they're given to the situation that they're in. And you know, somebody like Steve Vai might not have. He might have great um, content as far as tools of how to play certain parts but i don't think he's played a lot of you know small rooms recently you know except you know guitar center uh, no what do you call it you know but not for not for an audience of people who came and paid to see him play they came there to see him play for various reasons other than you know see him play you know what i mean yeah
2: <laughs> they all sure. have
3: very different different applications and uh yeah, yeah. It so
1: that's how it is. So, right. <clears throat> so Jason is a um, so Jason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah, sure. this is so, part so of that. This is part of that stuff that we do? talk about, where where we get into where we don't know what the hell we're doing. Now, where we're, it sounds like we're um, uh, yeah. being a little what's that word? Chaotic, and it's not. I often yeah, step I, on I Dave found, on purpose.
2: It, yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. All right. So I'm going to start with questions.
2: OK, so probably the best tell us about
0: what you do with the guitar, Jason.
3: Well, nowadays, so I'm tell us
0: a- about what you do with the guitar.
3: <laughs> nowadays, I'm mostly a bedroom player, but, uh, you know, I've done the band thing, mostly original music, uh, heavier genres for the most part. And I still dabble around with recording. I used to do a lot of live sound back in the day, too. So I've got the, the sound engineer from the board's perspective, which helps a lot with uh. Things. Okay. You know, sure. nothing too radical, but all smaller venues, mostly like so, vocals only or vocals and kick on PA and that's it. A <laughs> hmm. Couple of bigger venues, but sure. not too many. By bigger I mean like maybe like yeah, j- five hundred to a thousand. Okay. Never got okay, that many. So- in
2: there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jim Jim would fight you on the uh, the vocals and the the bass through PA. He thing has to go through the PA. He's, I am, he's really staunch about that.
1: Yep, I'm one of those people. We of course we have a um so in our situation we have e-drums. And mm-hmm. so the the drums have to be in the PA, but um, Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. And they um <laughs> but the thing is that when you do that I, I I can tell you that in our present situation neither guitar player has amp on stage we both play through a head that's di'd to the um pa we do not have a cabinet um and we uh so we do everything through the monitors and the pa um and we have the bass player usually plays through the pa unless it's a really small place where we don't bring the sub in and the only time really we don't bring the sub in is not because the place is small but because the stage doesn't allow for a nice, you know, because we have a big EV, you know, uh, power you setup. Right,
2: right.
3: Yeah, and I was um, playing mostly no, DIY venues, like you know, they book an art house and they play in the back room, or you know, community centers, things like that.
1: So original so, music, okay. you know, you played uh, um, smaller venues. You played some of your bigger venues. What? Well, um, when you say your music is heavy, how would you describe that? Because you ca- you're talking to a guy who heavy was um, ACDC, Iron Maiden, and Judas Priest. So kind of got to bring that in perspective.
3: Um, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest on steroids would be about the start off. You know, I'm lean a little heavier than a lot of the bands I played in, but uh, you know, we played a lot of like metalcore stuff because that was the thing when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and then... I also had a couple, like, melodic death metal and uh, one attempt at a black metal band that did not work out. <laughs> Apparently, egos <laughs> are a thing there that uh, everyone thinks they have to out.
1: So I don't know. so explain something. What is the difference between, like, core and death metal and black metal? I mean, you're talking to a guy, metal is metal. I mean, like I said, Ronnie James Dio was metal to me. So. <laughs> I mean, and Dio would be metal. <laughs>
3: yeah. But, um, Like, the metalcore has a little more punk influence, a little more hardcore influence. They rely more on drop tunings, like drop D, well, more drop C, B nowadays, but drop D was acceptable back when I was playing it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's a lot of, like, you know, just the open chuggy chugs and a couple riffs thrown in, where the, the death metal stuff is a lot more tactical. There's a lot more... I wouldn't necessarily say music theory because a lot of it's pretty chaotic, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not power chords all the time. There's a lot of single note riffings. There's a lot of solos. And then the uh, the black metal stuff, that is, uh, yeah, it relies a lot more on minor scales and a lot of minor thirds, a lot of sixes, you know, things like that. They're not... uh, it's got a m- much darker, but not quite as angry feel to it. I guess you'd say.
0: Now, was that they, would you? They dis- definitely have their own distinct sounds.
1: Yeah, would you describe that as melodic or amelodic? Which one? I mean, well, the the death metal or the um, or the black metal.
3: The black metal, I would say, is definitely more on the melodic side. The death metal is definitely more. You can get into twelve tone stuff there. You can get into you know just
1: complete chaos if you know the right, right band is playing.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, cuz I'm used to like I said when it comes to metal, Iron Maiden is mo- is melodic. Yeah,
3: yeah, obviously. There are definitely a lot of bands like that out there. Yeah. And then <laughs> there's uh the like the melodic death metal stuff. I did a couple of those projects too that were they were really pretty much just like your new wave of british heavy metal stuff tuned down to B basically.
1: Oh jeez. Now <laughs> were you using vocals? <laughs> were you using an extended range guitar at that time or that's actually part of the reason why I got into extended range,
3: because uh, we were playing in B standard, and then uh, we we're all the clean parts are being written on an acoustic guitar in standard, and it was like, well, one of us had to bridge the gap, and uh, I, I like spending money on gear, so that's what happened. <laughs> no,
0: we, that does <laughs> well, not that's happen. How, how we, that's how we know Jason, you know? I mean, he's in all these gear, and uh, you're a moderator for, for at least one of them. Ton um, mob, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh Tone Mob gets a lot of good uh from, from people I know that, that really, really like that group, by the way. So should be proud of yourself if you're contributing and in uh, moderating that that uh particular group. Well Blake so,
3: keeps the house um, clean house, so it makes it easy.
0: Yeah, so you you're uh you're you're charactering yourself predominantly as a bedroom player then nowadays is like yeah a, a collector or okay i mean you could say i'm um, a
2: collector i've got so, like
3: 16 guitars
0: so did you get did you get into music because of the uh, the um interest in like like different forms of metal i mean for itself I, I hate to call it a genre in and of itself but it is
3: yeah it's i mean it's a genre, it's a subgenre that's got subgenres of beyond you know it's a stepping stone
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: um, so, yeah, I guess
3: it, I kind of always had an interest in music. When I was a kid, I played piano in like kindergarten and I really wanted to play drums. And I think I was like 13, 14, somewhere in that range. I was uh seeing a counselor for some, you know, adolescent issues. And he's like, have you ever thought mm-hmm. about picking up an instrument? And he loaned me his bass and it was like a vintage Rickenbacker and. Gave me this gigantic, well, at the time I thought it was gigantic, like, 15-inch combo and, like, uh, one of the Digitech (laughs) multiprocessors with it. I was like, this is really cool. Okay. And I just, you know, I thought, you know, let's see what can go on with that. The But I ended up, instead of getting that, my dad gave me his old guitar that he wasn't playing anymore. Which, like, a couple months later I traded in immediately for, you know... One, still one of my favorite six-strings, a Jackson Dinky Reverse that was from uh, out somewhere in the mid-90s. Japanese. Love that thing.
1: I am the proud owner of a yeah. new Japanese mid-90s um, Jackson, by the way.
3: That, that Phil Collin PC, what, the 2, right?
1: PC3, yep. PC3. Nice. nice. Ah, I'm jealous of that still. <laughs> Love that guitar. Love that guitar. I played it uh last night and today at church. I play it at church every week now. Cool.
3: That's a pretty one too. <laughs> it is, it's gorgeous. Mine's just like Dead
0: Leopard Church. <laughs> 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 well, it fits the genre, right? I mean
3: Yeah. <laughs> Kinda, young, yeah.
0: Um So what was your, so your first amp was that that fifteen inch uh bass- But that was just a a loner, right? Like, what was was the first amp that you actually got?
3: My first actual
0: amp that I got was, uh,
3: it was, uh, I don't know, some solid state fender thing. It was probably in like an 80s model, I can't even find it anywhere online. That came with my dad's first guitar, and you know, it had a clean channel and a quote unquote drive channel that sounded completely terrible. (laughs) And for some (laughs) reason, the clean channel didn't want to work. So I just played it with the drive channel with the gain really low and threw a pedal in front of it for most of the time I had it until I uh, upgraded myself to a wonderful Crate Blue Voodoo.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that. <sighs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah that, there's one sitting in my local guitar shop right now. my uh, AppStack, stack for five hundred bucks.
3: Yeah, they make a great power amp. Um, <laughs> if you need just a power so, amp, that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah.
0: Hey, I know I know people that like the sound of that amp. Still, I mean, I'm not necessarily terribly fond of it, but I mean, for I guess for types of things. Um, not as you're, you're talking about this. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard that. Of course, you always wonder how how modified they were.
2: True, and <laughs> you know, but it out. wouldn't be hard.
0: <laughs> my my craziest metal experience with gear, I played with a guy. Um, who was who was at the time he was a lot better than um and and he brings in his his combo amp to to rehearsal and it's ooh, uh, like one of those deluxe um defender deluxe reverb 90 DSP, which is like their old like solid state thing. Mm-hmm. And he proceeds to like play all this uh this like Pantera through it. <laughs> He's not using any pedals, it's just the drive channel. And like I'm just sitting there going. That actually doesn't sound that bad. Like, it's not good either, but I mean, it's, you know, I was like, that's passable. You can play a gig with that thing. <laughs> 90 Watch through 112. There was well, a death I mean, my, metal my band. My previous experience with...
3: Go ahead. Oh, there was a death metal band I saw years and years ago who, you know, he played the 212 versions of those, I'm pretty sure. And, like, he had them dialed in perfectly. I ran it stereo with, like, a little bit of delay to one side, and it was killer. I was like, "There's no way that's a Fender amp making that sound," but it was, and he didn't have anything up front <laughs> except for that little bit of delay.
0: Yeah, well, so my previous experience playing metal was with a guy that used a uh, a Crate GFX. Uh, I guess it's one hundred and twenty. There, oh, were. Oh yeah, a what is that? Twelve combo.
1: Yeah, twelve inch combo.
0: It, it's it, yeah, it was like a hundred watts, but it, I, I. I played with him and and I'm like his tone was so brutal and I'm like what the hell are you doing and I looked at his amp and he literally had no bass <laughs> mid was at halfway and treble was cranked to 10 and I'm going dude you're insane dude if you want to if you <laughs> want to cut through, through the mix yeah
1: I was going to say if you want to cut through the mix that's the way to do
0: it <laughs> yeah there is a well he goes he goes normally I he goes normally I don't run any mids and I'm like Uh, What's different now? You know, (laughs) (laughs) but he was, yeah, he was, he was. uh, Well, actually, you know, the thing—it sounded bad, but like I, I get you know those crate, those crate GFX series amps, and this was probably even in the late eighties. Those crate GFX series amps were not the best sounding amps, and so I can understand somebody being like, "I'm just going to basically run it like a high pass," you know. I want to say (laughs) this
1: about him though. The one thing about those crate. Amps. If you dialed in a clean channel, you could use a you could use a um, preamp and really push those things to sound pretty cool. I mean, they were they were. I'm not saying they were great, but they were okay for pedal platforms, especially for your budget musicians. They come in they come in a one twelve and a two twelve version, right? That GFX series, and um, in the yeah. hundred twenty watts. That's uh, not bad. Now, Jason, I'd like to I'd like to take you down a road before we go further. Um, you were talking about how you used the guitar for therapy. How did that work out for you as far as um, as that went?
3: I wouldn't be the same person I am today. I'd probably be on like a cocktail of medicine, honestly, and I'm not. So I got to say, it probably worked.
0: That's, That's awesome. Really cool to hear that.
1: Yeah, that is yeah. awesome. Totally awesome.
3: Yeah, jumping to those crates so again,
1: though. I'm going to. S- uh,
3: I have a friend who had the head version of that. He ran it through his uh, Marshall 1960 A cab. And that thing actually crushed through that. Not something you'd want to play for like, yeah, you know, I, standard I, I, rock tones. But for, you know, the stuff we played, it worked great. I think a lot of it's just yeah, the well, fact that they well, use crappy you know, speakers.
0: <laughs> it's the, it's the crap speakers. And it's not just the speakers. Those cabinets are horrendous. They're like the cheapest plywood that you can get. Oh yeah, it was yeah. If they're even ply, they
1: yeah. might be particle, particle board. Particle board. I was gonna say I think they were like Walmart, um, you know, those those desks you get at Walmart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 possible the one that he had was particle board, but I seemed to seeing the inside and actually seeing like some wood grain instead of just being like, you know, glue I Could have had a ply on goes. the outside. So Yeah. 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 <laughs> there are a couple people like sandwich a couple companies there, who've know. done that. Some veneer ply. Yeah, it, would, it wouldn't shock me. But anyway, so um, you don't have any of that original equipment anymore, do you, right? I mean, you you probably all traded off, sold it, whatever.
3: Well, if we're talking about the that Jackson that I eventually traded for, yeah, I still have that. <laughs> it's sitting like
0: three feet. Okay, you yeah, have that. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, that's I, cool. I
3: did go back and, like, I, what was it, the Dan Electro black coffee distortion? I went oh, ahead yeah. and got another one again because, you know, it's got some lo-fi sounds I haven't been able to get out of any other pedals, but
1: I was going to say when <laughs> it comes to, yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's just going to say it's not a regular on the board or anything like that. No, but when you want to look for those lo-fi sounds, you know, a lot of people talk about fuzz units and I'm, I'm not a fuzz guy. I'll be the first one to admit it, but um, we, when I, Look for fuzz. I really just look for a crappy overdrive, you know, or a distortion pedal that really kind of turns it into a fuzz. So I would rather have that lo-fi sound. Yeah, I mean, you want
3: that fizz. You don't want that low-end like sludginess uh, to it. Right, right. I mean, that's really, that really what Hendrix sit well had. In band mix. So it makes right. sense. Yep. But yeah, no, I don't really have anything.
2: Trying else to keep, keep or, it in.
0: Hmm? So. What um, what are you playing now?
3: Uh, mostly, I'm playing a Randall RM50. It's one of the modular heads that uh, Bruce Ignator designed them. He made them for years and years, and then Randall licensed the technology when he went to a two channel version. And the they're now doing the Synergy stuff, which is a technically a separate brand, but it's you know the same technology with two channels per module. All mine only have one channel, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> I may upgrade to one of the newer amps eventually, though, because they have better components in them. They do sound a lot better, even with the old uh, preamps in them. So it allows me to That's run cool. pretty much whatever sounds I want, as long as it's not too power amp based. So I can't get my recto sounds. You have
0: but... like a stack. Oh, I'm you actually have like a running stack it through those modules too. Oh
3: yeah, I've got uh, a good chunk of them. You know, when I was recording more, it, you know. You wanted as many sounds as you could get for layers and stuff. Right. But they, uh, you know, I got uh, some really good ones. And, you know, I think I've got like two of them are stock How would you say modified?
0: How would you say they stack up against uh, like the modern digital stuff, like the Helix and that kind of thing?
3: I wouldn't know. I haven't been into a guitar shop that sells any of that stuff in ages. I
2: can tell you
0: really? how they stack up against the real okay. amps. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, did, but the different power sections obviously play a part in that too, because yeah. uh, now for the style of genre you're doing, a lot of what you're doing is probably preamp amp based. Honestly, but yeah. like, if you want to get into the bluesy stuff, you want the, that power amp saturation, and that's where it would be like less flexible, I guess. Because you, yeah. you would really just be pushing the...
3: No, yes and no. So it, you it, it
0: think there, you think there's a big bigger impact there?
3: Okay. I can um you know the RM fifty it's like I can throw whatever power tubes I want in it from like six V sixes all the way up to like the big KTs or you know sixty five fifties or something like that. So if I throw a set of six V sixes in there I can crank the master up and you know or it's got a master defeat, so I can just run with preamp and use the gain as my volume control. And I have um, a 22- 22, right. uh, or not a 22, the RM 22 combo, which is a, uh, it's 15 watts, but it's only single channel, and it it has no master volume on it. So, again, you know, you pretty much your your preamp, you can use your gain as your volume, and it does pretty good on that stuff.
2: Again, cool. though, it's actually, not something um, I use that I've much. I've always been interested.
0: I've always been interested in those modular um, the modular designs. I know I, Ignator, didn't he, didn't he actually design his own uh, unit too, that used the modules. I know he was involved with the, the Randall one. And I know he's also involved with the synergy one in some way. Um, that's just from other podcasts. I listened to, I've heard heard people talking about it, but, um, (laughs) I mean, I just hate the idea of like, okay, you got three channel amp and those are your three channels. Like, it would be better if you could custom tailor what those three channels do. I'm not really as big on uh, power tube and that kind of stuff as as I probably should be. Um, and actually, right now I'm running a Helix, so I mean I basically have abandoned the idea of using uh, a conventional tube amps for for everything. Most of what I do is you know digital emulation of a, a preamp through through my Mark V. So, uh, but yeah, I mean I get I get the the whole like. Just of having the mods, especially for studio work. Like, it's, it, that would be a killer platform to have. Yeah. And I know, I know they'll put out at one point, they put out some head that, that was just like hor- horrendously expensive, but it could take, I think, so of the modules. I can't even imagine. It has using, 12 using slots. Six. Not six. Oh, is that 12. what it was, it was? 12? Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They had, Did, uh, do you recall what that thing sold for?
3: Um, I think it sold as much as the hundred watt head did new, which so it was like, I think I want to say like sixteen at uh, at an actual shop. They you know list prices closely to two k though.
0: Oh, I, I'm surprised it's that inexpensive. To be honest,
3: I mean it's really just adding more buses in <laughs> there yeah. and the beefing up your MIDI switching capability
1: because that, that was, only worked with a MIDI right. controller, right? But that pricing yeah. was without ah. the uh, <laughs> without the modules, right? Correct. Those were another yeah. like. Two or three hundred yeah. each, depending each. on what you got. So multiply that by twelve.
3: Yeah, yeah, gets <laughs> expensive quick. Right. But, You know, if you're a studio musician, you want to be able to do all that stuff on the fly, or you know, you got to, for whatever reason, you're a okay. big cover musician or I, whatever.
0: <laughs> studio musician or not, twelve sounds. <laughs> let's just let's just put that in perspective. Twelve channels at once. Okay, so you could just you know. He's a Fender reverb here and I'll have, you know. <laughs> well, it was 12 sounds for a track. Well, it was the it was the
1: um uh analog answer to the whole digital modeling thing.
0: Right, outside of like you know, your Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. But no, it's of, why it still exists. I mean, um yeah. So, uh, do you, what guitars are you playing now? Do you, do you have, um, I thought I recalled seeing you with a Strandberg at some point.
3: Yeah. My main guitar is a Strandberg or one of the Bowdoin OS sevens. And I've got a uh, set of okay. the, uh, Lace Alumatones, the coil taps in it. Oh man. I, I hardly okay. ever want to play any of my other guitars. Is,
0: is your, uh, Strandberg, is it, does it have the fan fret?
3: Yep. Fan fret chamber okay. body it so, weighs about as much the whole guitar weighs about as much as like a heavier strap body like just the body unloaded
0: so I, so now i'm gonna i'm gonna cut jim off for a minute i am looking at uh the kiesel vader right now and actually the Kiesel. i uh there's another guitar they make and i can't remember which one it is they've come out with a couple of uh, headless designs yeah they just put out um, like two and, more this year the recent like- yeah. Yeah. And, and they're bolt on so that I'm kind of still leaning towards a Vader, but um, yeah. So I was thinking about getting, I don't know what they call fan fret, but there's a name that they use for it, they call it um, but Fale. I have no idea how, yeah. How does that work? I mean, is it, do you have really have to change your playing style in a way or is it just something that, that you just kind of naturally fall, fall into
3: I can't say what theirs. theirs is a much more extreme fan. Mine, it's like, on the uh, the high E string, it's your normal twenty five and a half inch, and on the low B, it's mm-hmm. a twenty six and a quarter or something like that. So it ends up being like about a twenty six inches on the high or the low E. So it's really like you can't even notice it unless you're playing like a like a barred F chord at the first fret. Uh, besides that, I mean, you, you don't notice it, and you hardly notice it when you're playing that. But Theirs is a pretty extreme fan. I I personally wouldn't play
1: it, because I do use bar chords sometimes. Crazy, it's it sounds. Now,
0: I've seen um, I do too, so.
1: I've seen Vi using one that has a a multi-scale, but his has like an almost ladder effect to it, versus, you know, the fanning. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Yeah. I'm gonna have
0: to look that up when we're done. Yeah, there's a he, gem that does. That. It's like the, it's like the curved fret thing with the front wave system or whatever they called it.
2: Oh, where it's gradual. Okay.
0: So that the G string is more in tune. I think. Um, uh, I'm trying to. Who's the guy that does? Um, it's gonna escape me. But there is there is one player that that was Truly very into Scorpions, it, he I think, was into it. Yeah, he
1: We've was as wrong. well. Um, that's it, Uli John Roth. Yep.
0: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have you I, seen that I, guitar? I'm inclined to try that. That
1: <laughs> the gem
0: or not the, his the one he was
3: Uli
1: played. Uli Uli's. You know, oh that, my god, that thing is that cool. weird. Oh, yeah. that is some weird weird stuff. But it is very cool. I saw one in person. Finally, I was oh wow. And it, it's not as hard to play like like you were saying. It wasn't as hard to get used to as all that.
0: So to speak, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely interested in some of these modern designs. Actually, I was looking at Strandberg too. The the hard leap for me on Strandberg is that for about a thousand bucks, you're getting into like more their Strat style Strandberg, and it's I mean that's a lot of money to be putting out for what is essentially a guitar. I can't go to a store and check out if i'm right. going to do that like i at least i know i've played a bunch of used i've played tons of used Carbons. so going into a kiesel is not as big a, uh, um an issue for me at least you know monetarily yeah um a gra- granted no- it's going to cost money <laughs> <laughs>
3: they always do i've yes. never played a kiesel um, or a that's carbon that's pro- been bad <laughs> <laughs> i actually have one of their eight. yeah screens. they've
0: always been pretty good Really? What? Which one?
3: Uh, one of the like DC eight hundred,
0: something like that. Like the very first
3: one they oh, okay. made. I got it that year. It was actually the year my son was born. That's part of the reason why I got it. You know, have a son, have a guitar, right? That's Super cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I I wish I could. Uh, oh, I'm not going to say that because we don't need any more kids. By the time, <laughs> by the time you pass, After I uh, just had to fly to Vegas for one of them.
1: By the time you pass on that guitar. Um an eight string won't be such a great stretch. At this point, yeah.
0: no. <laughs> no.: We'll have eighteen strings. I uh... yeah, we'll have a bunch of eighteen strings.
1: <laughs> Don't get me started. I was in uh... such a good mood, Dave. <laughs> I gotta say though. Now, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> the one that he played at Nam, that one I did, just sounded terrible.: Yeah. Yeah. Nothing against Ormsby. That was <laughs> Ormsby, right? Yeah. They make some great instruments, but yes, they're, yeah. they're, there's no practical way to make an instrument that big sound good unless you're doing all touch style. right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that is basically all that you're going to have there.
1: You know what sucks is, um, so they, they introduced that so, at the same name, where Tosin Abasi and uh, who's, the, who's the builder that made the new Abassi series? The new Tosin Frank Abassi Falbo. Series? Yeah, all. Oh, have you seen those? They are gorgeous. Oh. No, I have not. beautiful. You just check that on YouTube, Dave. Yeah, the neck joint on those things is just
3: phenomenal. I'll, I'll Frank is—he's uh, the guy who designed the Duncan P rails, and uh, okay, he was a—he was a, one of the brains behind the Fishman Fluence stuff. Yep, which those are also phenomenal pickups. Yeah,
0: yep. I, I, the name is familiar, right?
3: And. And he's been working in, uh, I think the Laravie shop building acoustics for the past couple of years. And like, they are like to kill for, you know, Yeah, they only start at like five grand, Yeah, but you know, when you're playing an acoustic, that's your entire rig. So that's <laughs> oh, yeah. not that bad.
1: Yeah. Larravees, but they are beautiful. Right. I got to, uh, there's a friend of mine that has a studio out here and I went and, um, that's where we recorded our demo, um, for my crappy band anyway. No, my band is not crappy. Um. But uh, we went, and I got to play a Larrabee, and it was really nice. You know what else I got to play that was interesting? I don't know if you've always, you guys have ever seen them. It's an Emerald guitar. I had never seen one in person. I was always kind of, oh, that looks cool. It's a, kind of a different acoustic. Let me tell you something. Those things, I got to play one finally, and it was awesome. It was just awesome. I've never even heard of them before. Yeah, you should. You ever ch- get a chance, look up Emerald guitars. really nice. But anyway, that Tosin Obasi thing, I did. It's just a wonder of um, you know engineering. You know, I think. What did he get? Um, you can you can get a six string, right? And you get to go all the mm-hmm. way up to nine.
3: I don't remember if they said eight or nine. Yeah, I know. I know eight I, is I've one. I've got of their... opinions on nine strings, but yeah. we'll get into those later. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we should definitely talk extended <laughs> ranges.
0: Oh, no, let's let's get into them now.
1: Yeah, we
0: should get into them now. What's 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 up with nine strings?
3: Oh my god, they they never sound good in the mix, ever. You can get the you can get the eighth string can sound decent, but once you hit that eighth string, go below that and no. It just vanishes. You're in the bassist territory then, because you're essentially playing like what would be like the I, C sharp on a five string bass.
0: don't, don't worry, we agree with you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, yeah, they can so, sound decent. Uh, I've heard them no. sound decent recorded, but Every time you see a band live, I have never been able to hear that ninth string when they kept playing it. Just the I don't know if it's the guitar equipment can't well, handle it, or they just don't know how to EQ, or just the fact that in a live mix, there's just too much going on, and it just clutters it up.
0: Well, my thing is, like, so I've, I played a couple of strings, um, and I played some seven strings, and I, I'm at... Thinking about when I, this Kiesel getting it in a seventh string, but I I don't know if I will or not. But um, the reason you don't I have to use it just because you when, have it. I, well, the thing with the eighth string dilemma is seems to me like basically anything below the third fret on that on that eighth string is just mud. Like I've never been able to get it to sound good out of the equipment I use. Yeah, um, you need a long so for long me, scale,
3: like a twenty eight inch. On there. I don't care what anyone says. Right. Right. So um,
2: um
0: well, the reason I the reason I bring it up is because in that nine string territory. I mean, you're you basically have a neck that should be the length of like, you know, a short scale base at that point. Yeah. <laughs> like like thirty something inches. And I just can't imagine like at that point, put down the put down the thing and just become uh, become spinal. Everybody on stage, play a five-string bass.
1: Well, here's the well, here's the thing. Let me I mean, let me say this. Let me say this. So usually when somebody sounds really good on an extended range instrument that goes eight or more, like let's take let's take Tosin Abasi. Let's take Animals as Leaders as an as an example. Um, usually it's played in a mix that doesn't even have a bass player. They don't even have a bass player. He has another guitarist, and that's a no, really bad reason player. to have one. I thought they didn't have a bass player. They oh, do I have a bass player. I've seen no, them a couple times.
0: Three. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so live oh, so they he are does? with the bassist yep. now, oh. but
3: they they like don't the play doors. the same thing.
1: Ah, they play different parts. Oh, interesting. See, that makes sense. It makes a I, huge difference.
0: I saw well, I I I know that's that's either a recent change or whatever, but I've seen I know I've seen them as a three piece. Um, on YouTube, like numerous times in live performance, so on, I, it wouldn't surprise me that they're using a bass player too. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm wondering if that was like you know in the early days, and now that they've they've kind of branched out, it wouldn't shock me. I, I'm sure Tosin he's he's talented enough, and and I, oh, it's going to kill me. The other guitarist's name is is actually really good too, and they're talented enough that they could come up with a with a situation where they would make that work. Oh yeah, again. Tosin is a unique animal, though, because the way that he plays is so unorthodox compared to what conventional guitarists do. He so I think like a his place. technique and the way that he, yeah, basically, <laughs> and and the technique that he uses is so unorthodox that I think that's part of the reason why they can get away with it. Other guys that try to do it more um, conventionally, they tend to tap out really tonal me on the seven and eight string. So that's just, just kind of where I'm at.
3: Um, I mean, you hear, if you listen to Meshuga, I mean, they've been playing eight strings now since like 2001, I think, you know, maybe yeah. later than that. But yeah, it's been a while, but they use like a, they started off with like a 28 inch scale. They weren't quite happy with that. They bumped up to like a 29 and a half or something. But if you listen to their, their, uh their guitar sound, it's like band pass so far down that it's like, it's just mid range. There's No highs. There's no lows. Yeah. And that's how they get away with having the guitars and the bass sitting in the same spot. Because they use like a scoopier bass right. tone and that's it works. And they are killer live.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. I gotta right. agree with and,
0: you there. And that's the only way they could get that's the only thing they could get away with that doing mm-hmm. is, is is basically EQing out all the bass on the guitar. Which you know, I it and again, for every band situation it's different, like depending on what the guitar does versus what the bass does. I mean in the more conventional formats, you're not going to see 8-string guitars because the way that they, they get used in the music is different. And so that, that kind of plays into it too as well. So.
3: But you know, well, you could um, still use but, a yeah. 7 in a conventional format. You know. I, <laughs> I'm
1: sure. you a and little I bit think there. That's, <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things to remember well, is, I am said, I like, playing the 8-string? Yeah, am I playing in a live situation or am I playing in a studio situation? And obviously we take different tools to those different situations. You know, a guitar player might track four guitar parts in a studio, and each one, you know, EQ'd a little differently to thicken it up. And yet, live, I've got to use a different guitar. Right, right.
0: Yeah.
3: I know when I... The
0: reason I was saying that was because I... All all I could do was picture, like, ACDC playing, you know, Back in Black on an A-string guitar, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was saying, yeah, I just silly. can't imagine that that fitting certain styles, right? So,
3: no, I wouldn't see it there. And you know, if you if you're a thumb wrapper, it makes those extended rangers make it hard. I don't ever wrap the yeah. thumb. And I played classical I- guitar just in there at some point, so that's kind of like stuck with me. Thumb is always on the back of the neck.
0: Okay. Yeah, and only do. I mean, I do when I'm doing bends and. Uh, Somebody told me I was I was auditioning with a guy and he told he's like stops and we're playing all this like kind of metal music and he he stops and he says you're really bluesy <laughs> and then it, it dawned on me I'm like well yeah that's probably because I'm hooking my thumb over the neck when I'm doing most of this stuff it's a bad habit I got short fingers but anyway <laughs> yeah it's
3: a, something that plates um, it's all you know I got tiny little
2: stuff that's what kept
0: me from getting a seven string. That's what's kept me from getting a 7-string all these years, just because, like, man, i got enough problems with 6. <laughs> 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 I really yeah, don't so. think
1: that would bother you as much as you... You know, Jason probably can speak better to this, but I can tell you that playing a 7-string for myself, played a Jackson 7-string earlier, um, and I played it in a country band. And I, you know, you're thinking, yeah, you played yeah. country music with 7-string? tell you right now, it was, it was better than trying to play a solo with drop D in the moment, live. Yeah, definitely.
3: <laughs> and, you know, the whole Actually, short fingers at- thing, like, I wear a a large glove, technically, only because of the width, but I don't even fill up a medium glove in the length.
0: So, yeah, the short uh, fingers I'm thing the same is, way. it's, it's literally not literally the same way.
2: And it, you'd be fine, I think.
3: You know, maybe pick up yeah, something at you know, your pro- local... You know, Guitar Walmart or whatever.
0: They tend to always have a couple there. <laughs> the guitar. Walmart. Well, I, I don't want to go give them to any guitar business. Guitar Walmart, with good reason. Yeah, no, dude. Like, don't don't take this the wrong way, but I don't shop there. <laughs> he lives I right near Chicago Music Exchange. Yeah,
3: but he doesn't even shop there that often. <laughs> no,
0: I don't go there really. Yeah, I don't a little really high even end go there. That often, I'm I'm down there maybe once or twice a year. Yeah, I I've, I've dropped 6 or 700 bucks in there on paddles before in one sitting. I believe not it. not it's the It's easy uh, to do. Yeah. It's not the most uh let's put it this way. If you don't have money, don't go there cuz you'll end up spending money you don't have. And that's happened to me before too. Um I'm actually sitting here my wife's in the background and she's giving me the look right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How so, do we always get that look? You know, so um she there's does- a there's um two guitars right now in uh, uh the local music go round. I'm gonna go check out this week. One is a D'Angelico, um like an ES three thirty nine style. Mm-hmm. Um, they call it the DC. And the other one um, they have is a um uh Paul Reed Smith that I'm gonna go take a look at. Custom twenty four. Ooh. Yeah. Oh.
2: I want one of those real still bad. still looking at PR. <laughs> oh, yeah. I still do.
3: <laughs> I would. My back can't so, take them anymore.
0: Actually, I don't, I don't find them all that heavy. I mean, my SG is on par with most of the customs I've played. Really? So, you must yeah, have a heavy SG. They're,
2: or, they're around man, 8 I
0: really pounds. like customs. I think my SG is around 8 pounds, which is heavy for an SG. But yeah, mine's like my, six and a my half. My strats are way heavier than that. Well, you're playing a you're playing a Strandberg too. So
3: no, I'm saying my SG that's, that's is six be- and a
0: half. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? It's, my it's Strandberg's seven, just over I five. It. I believe CME said it was seven point pounds on their site when I when I went because I actually that's where I got this one. I got it. it was on sale. It was a uh, end of year closeout. Gotcha. But uh, it's not terribly heavy. My my Les Paul is like twelve or thirteen. The the unicorn that I bought from Shenzhen, and then uh, my strats are both like nine pounds. So so both my guitars are well over. Well,
1: both my main guitars are well over eight and a half pounds. I have a um, a Gibson Les Paul Standard twenty fifteen. It does have weight relief, but it's the older weight relief. And then I have a brand new Les Paul um, Studio. That is weight relieved with the newer rate leaf weight relief, and I still feel the the dip, the weight difference. Let me tell you something. I put the Jackson on; it feels like I just put like a glove on. I mean, it just it just falls over my neck with no weight whatsoever feeling. So oh yeah, yeah. I was
3: playing yeah. one of my Schecters earlier and switched over to my Strandberg, and it was like <laughs> the Schecter. I think is like in the twelve thirteen pound range, and you know it's. Uh, you know, basically a Les Paul's, like, thickness body with the maple cap and all that, and it's like, holy
1: crud. Do you remember, so you must have had a Schecter or two in your time doing metal, because they were, like, one of the premier metal guitars for they were a just, lot of time in the early 2000s. Overall, they're just
3: good quality mid price guitars, I find. Like, the Duncan Design pickups, you yeah. know, they they're yeah. passable. But nowadays, like they come with real Duncans, or they come with EMGs if that's your thing. Hi, hey, Papa. Hi, babe. Go. I'm on the phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they, you know, <laughs> they are, uh, you know, I had a C1 Classic for a long time that had the JV and the, I think it was the Jazz or the 15, I don't remember. And like that thing was, it did everything I wanted it to do. And it had a five way switch so I could even pull off some mock
1: single coil tones. One of my favorite range, yeah. mid-range the J- price bases was a Schecter. A, um, what, what it was it, Custom Five, I think they called it. Oh yeah, they have like some of the best bases in that price range. It's awesome. I mean, right in the six hundred dollar price range at that time, when I bought it. Shoot, I know some people who've like
3: they've priced them up against like up to I think like the entry level Ernie balls and still preferred the Schecters. And I'm not talking the Sterling's. I'm talking the Ernie balls, the yeah. Music Man.
1: Yeah, they are good, really good bases, and the stock pickups were incredible. Incredible. Yeah, they, there's nothing to lose with them. Now, what do you think of uh, LTD, the ESP line? Obviously,
3: um, once you get above the 200 series, like you're into that. Well, what used to be the 300 series, now the 4 or 5 or whatever, they're pretty good instruments. Before that, you know, they're decent learning instruments, but they're not something you'd want to, like, bring on stage or in the studio or something.
1: I've been looking at the 1000s again, because I used to play an EC-1000, and let me tell you, that thing was, it was great. Les Paul style, lighter, because the body's thinner. Mm-hmm. Really. One of my buddies
3: has one, he's got the, it's the honeyburst one with the passive yeah. Yep, the
1: Seymour Duncan's. Yep. Mm -hmm.
3: That's his guitar he plays for his not metal stuff, and he loves it. And he's got two of the MHs that he uses as his stage guitar and backup guitar for his metal band. (laughs) So he is sold on that. He also has, you know, a couple Jacksons, a couple Ibanez's too, but those are his main guitars.
1: We haven't been giving Ibanez much love today, and yet. Ibanez is really. I mean, if you look back, even to the early '80s when I was a, when I was a teen, um, even before I turned 20, when Vi was first starting to work with Ibanez, I think it was what 80. Was he with with them in
0: '83? Um, Dave, wasn't he? That seems early. That seems a little early. I yeah, thought, he was still um, playing his
3: Charvel until like. He played that on the um, Crossroads, so that was what eighty six.
1: That wasn't an Ibanez. That was a that was a
0: yeah Charvel Green
1: Meanie Charvel. No. Oh yeah,
0: oh. yeah. I want to say he signed with them in like eighty eight or eighty seven. Like somewhere it was, around like, it was late eighties.
3: Then they came out with the gem, and then like the next year they came out with the RG the the five hundred and fifty, which they've re released now. Like what? Which is four basically times? the
0: same thing without a monkey grip. Yeah, yeah.
3: All I know I think is- it only had two pickups too. Yeah. Instead of the- the single in the middle.
1: Yep. All I know is that Ibanez was right. making, weren't they making, um, I could be wrong, weren't they making uh, copies like Gibson's?
3: Oh, yeah, the, the lawsuit era. Yeah, stuff. yeah,
0: that they was are, some and, good stuff. Right in, too. The, in the 70s, right?
3: Yeah, I, if you ever find any
1: of them, yeah. definitely yeah, grab, grab them. them they are worth it. And, they, and they're cheap because people are like, nah, it's
0: not a real Gibson. Well, was so like, oh, not okay. so much in the- not so much any, not so much anymore though, Jim. They're they're starting to climb in price. Yeah, um, a lot of Same those, those Greco guitars those other... are thousand plus now.
1: All oh right. the, yeah, the Greco. Yeah, that's another good one, uh, Jason. That was a that was a killer series. Um, yeah, I I know that you can get. There's three big ones. There's Greco, Ibanez, and what's the other company that did a um, like Les Paul and? It was out I of Japan know. as well. And I, and I was
2: a was global,
1: was it a electro? That might've been it. I
3: know they had one, but that one had, that one was a little bit different than your normal Les Paul. It had some weird pickups in it and stuff.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, they were going for a different sound, but yeah, they wanted to give people that. Yeah. They wanted to give people that classic, uh, look. So mm-hmm. they get the vibe. You know, I remember, and a friend of mine has one. Have you ever played um, a bass guitar or a guitar with a metal neck? The the old Kramers that had the uh, aluminum neck and headstock? You ever seen I them? have not. Oh my god, they look like a tuning fork at the end. Yep. And, and then uh,
3: there's the Travis Beans and the yep. what is it, electrical guitar yeah. company does yeah. it know. Yep. They You're, look cool, and I was going to get one of the necks for a uh, Jazzmaster build I was doing, but just, you know... They come up so rarely, and then they, they run like 1200 bucks on their own, so i was like, ee, I can't uh, quit swinging that.
1: All right, if you think a wooden guitar, <laughs> if you think a set net wooden guitar has problems tuning in temperature changes, try yourself an aluminum <laughs> guitar. No, awesome. there, there's way too much fluctuation there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. He, so our bass player has one. He has one of those original Kramers. I had one for a short period in the, in the early 80s. Oh my god, I would not. I would not wish those on my worst enemy. I hear they got the sound though. Oh, they do. That's the thing. But you got to get them. Like he has to bring it into the place and leave it hanging like the minute we get there. And yeah, acclimate that, it. Yep, and it can't be you can you don't want to get warm, you don't want it to get cold, you don't want it under air conditioner, you don't want it near heater or an opening door. Oh. So
3: ideally, you put it on stage and leave it there.
1: You got it. and You just (laughs) leave it in place, and you keep it in a case the whole time. They are definitely a a tuning nightmare. But they sell great. They sell for a lot of money.
3: I think you can pick the Kramers up for like six or so nowadays. It's not too bad. Oh,
1: that's not bad at all.
3: Of course, the basses are a little easier to find than the guitars.
1: Yes, that's true. The guitars were a little more rare. Yeah.
3: Now, if you want to say, I did want to try out uh, carbon fiber, but
1: yeah, that's another one that would cost way too much. The money, the cost is there, but let me tell you. So those that emerald acoustic that I told you about earlier, those Mm -hmm. are those are carbon fiber. Oh, okay. Yeah, like uh, actually, one of our local
3: shops might carry them because I know he carries a couple brands that do that. Yeah,
0: there's a bunch of different carbon fiber acoustics now. Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously, uh, well, ovation. At least their backs were carbon fiber, right? They
3: were some kind of composite, like a helicopter. They, they or, were. Re-
0: yeah. I think they were. Re- yeah, they were. Like a they resin. were a resin or something like that. Yeah. yeah. At least the same stuff you make a Glock out of.
1: Yeah, at least <laughs> they weren't. Yeah, if you want to get it through customs. Um, at least they weren't. Uh, what's that stuff? Um, particle board. that We were talking about. Earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh gosh, I can't even imagine what an acoustic. It, probably, it wouldn't hold up, so it wouldn't matter. So, <laughs> Once what you is. The strings on there would fall apart.
1: What is your dream rig, Jason? What is the, what is the rig if, you, if money was not the object? Okay, we all have this. What is your dream rig?
3: Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to play so many different things at all times that I can't t- just narrow it down to one thing.
1: Well, yeah. you don't have to narrow it down to one. <laughs> what is it? I mean, here's here's Jason. He's got a bazillion dollars. Family is already rich. You've already put money aside for your kids for college, grandkids, great grandkids, even that don't even exist yet. You're gonna, uh, <clears throat> you've got um, all this money, and you're gonna go. Ah, you know what? I'm gonna be like Joe Bonamassa, and I'm gonna buy a few guitars. What would be your your guitars? And you like you were gonna set up a studio or whatever. The guitars, the amps. You know what would what would be your rigs? Well, I like a lot of the stuff
3: I have now. I mean, I've not bought any tube amps for—I can't even tell you how long now. Probably ten years. Um, <laughs> I'd probably want to add into like a triple rectifier half stack, and uh, yeah, maybe a couple other things that uh, you can't really get the sounds of. Maybe like a Bogner, just the Ubershaw. It's got a lot of power amp mojo going oh, on yeah. there. Um, uh, pedals are be, uh, on a rotational thing. I would want a real Roland, uh, space echo. Cause I am a big fan of that thing, especially yeah. for like doing ambient cleaner stuff. Yep. And, uh, I'd probably just keep up my computer stuff and my, you know, interface stuff as modern as possible.
1: That's cool. Uh, it's, it's nice, nice it's nice to hear somebody that's relatively um, happy with the situation. I have.
3: Oh, I'd want another Strandberg, too. One with a Trem this time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. The only thing about the Strandbergs that I couldn't get used to, because I played a... Not a Strandberg, but a Steinberger. Do you remember those? Mm-hmm. Um, I played a few of them here and there. that. <clears throat> I could never get used to... The scale length is the same, but... Without the headstock, I could never seem to put my hands in the right place. I don't know because I don't typically look down. I'm not even sure why that is. But
3: yeah, that's bizarre.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I would always be two frets off. Well, huh. the one thing that always annoyed me because because I had a Steinberger for a while, I had the same problem. But but the, mine occurred because the broomstick body is so short that it, depending on which one you had, I had the the broomstick. Uh, yeah, see, the, I, um, I think, think that could what definitely be familiar. it. The, the body's short, so the way that it sits near you where you have to pick throws you off, and then you go to reach for that, that you know, long, uh, that neck, and you end up putting your finger past the, the first fret. It's, it's weird. I can imagine that.
3: Yeah, that's one thing that's nice about the modern headless designs. They have definitely compensated on the body to sit where the neck would sit with a normal guitar.
1: Yeah, because I tried to be uh, rushed. A lot for of people, while. <laughs> it didn't work out so well. Yeah, yeah it's all right. Now, a
0: lot of people use the um, they like the headless designs for travel too, and that's kind of part of the reason why I want to get it. I'm I'm planning on taking more trips to Vegas to to be with uh, my my old when uh, when possible, and I need something I can travel with on the plane. I mean, l- literally was Jones and all week all, all week when I was there. Like, man, I really need a guitar. I was thinking about going to the guitar just so I could play one. One time
1: one time I was uh, sent, I got to tell you this true story. So you know how Guitar Center has this no questions asked return policy? I bought a whole rig. Took it to my hotel room. And because I was there for three weeks. So I played the rig and then brought it all back. (laughs) The day before I left. My boss was like, why do you have I to go Guitar Center stuff. today? Because she's like, we're all going out to dinner. We're going to go blah blah blah. And I said, Well, I got to go to Guitar Center before we go out. She goes, Why? Well, I have to return a guitar and an amp and some pedals and cords. <laughs> <laughs> I returned. I didn't even. Be, I didn't keep anything. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's what a, terrible! What an asshole! <laughs> just an asshole!
0: Yeah, I, yeah. Hey, at least you didn't have to pay the ten percent restocking.
1: No, yeah. that's just it. So, Jason, do you have anything else that you'd like to like to say? We're coming up on an hour. It's probably um, we've, we've oh, goodness, cut we into are. your oh, time. And see how fast that goes? Too quick. I, I'm Too telling quick. you. Yeah. You, people wonder, how do you guys get to an hour? Like, psh, we don't even realize this. And, you know, I've i, I listen to quick. some other podcasts. you
3: just like, why are you stopping now? <laughs> You're just getting into the flow. Exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. So, Jason, I have one la- I have one last question for you though. True. What's the most senselessly expensive piece of gear that you bought that you didn't really like keep and you never really jived with and had hell or whatever to get out from under it?
2: Oh. Whew. I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough one.
3: Uh, maybe Oh, I've done it. I think it's a Jackson SL3. It wasn't like it was a okay. well built okay. guitar, but the wood on it was just dead. It just sometimes you get yeah. a dud. Yeah. And it didn't matter what pickups I put right, into right. it. I put some pickups in it that I loved in other guitars. You know, we've all got those pickups where, especially, you know, early on in the day when you just bring it from one guitar to the new guitar to the next new guitar, you know, there's a little variation from sure. here to there. And then it was like, I put it in this thing, it was just like nothing. I couldn't stand that thing <laughs> thankfully at the time um, the uh shop i bought it from had a pretty good return policy
1: oh that's good because hey, you did hey, take the hey, pickup and put it back in I, yes yes
0: <laughs> jim i know i know you've gone through some stuff lately what is the mistake that you've made
1: oh my um let's see uh an sg um a uh
0: that SG, <laughs> yep. Uh,
1: um, I just couldn't. I, I didn't gel with SG. It's too little. It's too light. I really like a beefy guitar. Um, but then again, I started. You got to remember, I started on, you know, heavy, heavy gear. I mean, you, the Gibson fifties left. Paul Gibsons were, you know, we had one laying around the house. So it wasn't like it was. It was something yeah. that I had to go look for. Um, <laughs> it, it it was actually kind of sucked because my the first guitar I really played on, you know, was my uncle's. 59, and then I get given a, um, a guitar that some of these guys in these, um, these gear groups love. And I think is, I still think they're total crap. they Ikea of guitars, the um, Silvertone. I had an original Silvertone. I mean, that thing was late 50s, early 60s model. Came with a amp built into the case. And like I said a million times, I destroyed it. Um, <laughs> but I was a teenage kid. And I didn't have any fans, and nobody was going to give me any money for it. I couldn't have. I don't think I could have gotten fifteen dollars for it. But it was useful for one thing. I could listen to ham radio at night because the <laughs> the pickups. I, I'm serious. The pickups were so microphonic that I I only had to le- it literally just treat the guitar like a um, uh, an antenna and leave it near a window, and I could pick up um, ham radio. I could listen to people talk. <laughs> Do you remember which
3: model it was? Because they did, you know, if it was one of the Tisco made things, they they did have some better models up the range. But
1: oh no, this was um, one of the better models that had a um, like I said, it had the um, the amp built into the into the case. It came from Sears, you know, it was mid-range, you know, I guess what you would call top end at that time. Um, you you ordered it through a you know Sears catalog. catalog. My father was like a kid wants to play guitar. Get him a guitar. You know, my mother had to fork out the money. My mother hated my father for that because he didn't—he <laughs> didn't give her a penny for it. He was like, "Yeah, get him a guitar." And look at you now. Yeah, look at me now. Whoa. So she bought you me play a, all the time. I do now. I mean, and I played all the time then. Every time I could pick up somebody's guitar, I would go to a house and say, "Oh, look, they've got a guitar in a corner. Touch mm-hmm. that. Come on, let me touch it. I just want to play it." <laughs> It was like, I was like this creepy old man. (laughs) And I was like eight, you know, seven or eight years old. I'm like, ah, I want to get, I want to play that guitar. Can't just play somebody's guitar. I'm like that now. I'll go to a place. you've Um, got a guitar. I see. I see you've got a tailor over there. Mind if I try it? (laughs)
2: Nothing
1: wrong with that. (laughs) As long as they say yes. As long uh, as they say yes, Exactly.
2: My senseless guitar expensive
0: piece of gear I bought, <laughs> I bought an ethos overdrive um, oh. which for those of you that don't know if you either you guys don't know so they they're they're based on a Dumble overdrive special um and they have a price tag that's based on the Dumble drive special. <laughs> um, the cost of this pedal is six hundred and fifty oh, uh, yeah, dollars overdrive pedal, yeah. Well, it's a preamp. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, all right, so it's a pedal. But, I mean, it does everything that an amp will do. And if you plug it into a power amp, it sounds really good, you know, like a good emulator. Um, and it, I, I actually, I love this thing. But part of me right now is like, I don't need this because the Helix does it already, and it does it just as well. Um, so, I don't know. I, you
3: didn't it's a lot of money to spend on a single it,
0: overdrive. No, I didn't. Not because I know I, you've
3: had that for yeah, now a couple so, years, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I've had that uh, ethos for about a year and a half now. You've had the you've um, had the Helix but, what a uh, couple
3: months? <laughs>
0: yeah, I've had it like four, 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 four or five months. Well, but that's the longest. All right, so here here let's go. Let's. Go. That's the the only pedal I bought in
1: four or five months is the Helix. So. That- I mean, yeah, it's good
0: fifteen. Thing. That shamed me somewhat. A
1: fifteen hundred dollar
0: pedal. Your helix. Well, your helix, yeah, helix costs as if much as my
2: standard.
0: <laughs> well, I bought the ethos, and then I ran out and bought a bunch of other expensive stuff. So, it's like, at least if I buy this, I won't have to buy a bunch of other crap to go with it. That's true. Um, but got it all built. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sitting yeah. on with all this stuff. I all, well, not everything, but when, all the stuff I sold. I kept all my expenses. So, like, my two Chase Bliss pedals, the Ethos, um, and a couple other things. Well, I mean, I, I made out okay on that that deal. I mean, it's one of those things where, yes, the real pedals are probably better, um, but for what I'm doing and the studio work and stuff that I do, like, the Helix just fits what I need. So, uh, I don't miss any of the stuff I had. And I had a pretty good rig. I mean, there were people that were, like, really interested in what I was, what I was putting on there, so... Uh, I just, I couldn't keep it up. It was too big, and the Helix is just a thing of convenience. So yeah, that's that's sorry. why that happened. But yeah, I, I'm probably going to sell my Eos. That's probably going to go towards financing my Carbon. I just haven't, I haven't been able to bring myself to do it because it's like admitting defeat. Get rid of those Chase blessings uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> get rid no, of no, no, all keep, your fuzz drives. Both,
1: just get rid of all your fuzz drives. You don't need those.
0: That's <laughs> no, no, no! I'm keeping my, I'm keeping my, my Pelican Noise work stuff for sure. Questions asked. This is um, because I'm a fuzz I'm a fuzzaholic. I still have, even I sold everything on my board. I still have like five fuzz pedals. So, <laughs> well, if if there's still
1: any of those fifty fifties left when I get done with my gig next week, I'm gonna purchase one of those. They're
0: gone. They're gone, yeah, man. They were gone. Oh, like they are? they are two days gone. after they
3: announced yeah. them. Yeah, I'm not
0: surprised. Well. That makes it easy for I'm me to save money. That. again. I'm waiting on the. Uh, I'm waiting on that crazy traffic one, so I, I basically I could have bought one, but I I backed off and said, you know, I better save my money, which worked out because I had to take that emergency trip to Vegas. So
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, always stinks. Why do we have to have families?
0: I just want, anyways, to guys. <laughs>
1: Families. I was going
2: out
0: there to gamble.
1: I had to. I had yeah, to gamble. Yeah, yeah. It was an emergency. Yeah, yeah. You had to play thirty-two black.
0: I had. <laughs> you know, I, this is the first time I went out there. Let I felt it ride. Really bad because I feel I I feel like I got to go to the boat now because we have we have like the the uh, casino boats here. Yeah. I, I'm like I'm sitting here and I'm like I'm like went to Vegas and I was there for like four days and I st- I went into a casino but I did not I did not gamble.
1: What is wrong with you?
0: You're, not, not a single cent. I, I I don't know. <laughs> I work I don't too know. hard for my I money. I back.
3: refuse to gamble, so I'm on your
1: side there. Jason works hard for the money.
0: I uh, well, I work hard for it, honey. <laughs> so, <laughs> hard for honey.
1: so you better treat him right.
0: <laughs> so no, I uh, I usually <laughs> don't gamble that much. Like that, if I go, like I like I'm going to spend twenty bucks. Yeah, And it's just like, it's like, I'm going to sit in front of a machine for an hour and just fart around. That's basically what it is. Yeah. So I just, I, yeah, I, I feel bad because like, that's, that's the thing you Vegas for. And I didn't do it this time. Yeah. I did have really good Indian food though. So that's cool. That's
3: yeah. Cool. They got lots of good restaurants and, you know, you were out there for other reasons anyway. So you're all good. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, my family's out there in case our listeners, um, cause they're not, they're not clued to what's going on. My family's out there. So. Uh, my wife's family, and so we go out there and visit occasionally, and uh, this trip was under under different circumstances, but we, we did get to hang out with them and see them, so it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, you had a gun to your head. Anyway. Yeah. anyway uh, uh, so back to guitars. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, any other questions? Um, as far as that goes? I think we're done.
0: I, yeah. I, I feel done.
1: Okay, wait, no, yeah. I got one more. I got one more for you, Jason. We should ask okay. more people All this right. question. All hey, right, Jim. What is the guitar, pedal, amp, whatever? What's the one that got away?
3: Mm, I don't think there really is one, because no. there's always more of everything.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good.
3: Especially when it comes to, you know, circuits. Those are easier to replicate.
1: Yes, they are. Yes, they
0: are. All right, Dave. We believe in that. There's no mojo,
1: <laughs> right?
3: I mean, the certain guitars play better, but that's you know neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes, like uh, right. my standard. Every time I look at my 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 um, Les Paul standard, um, which I could easily sell for enough to buy a you know an inexpensive fu- car for my kid, I think to myself. I could I could get rid of that, but I love that guitar. I mean, every time I strap it on, it's like. Like I was saying to Dave, I mean, I've been through so many other guitars, and, it's, and it just keeps coming back to the Les Paul. and oh. It's your voice. Yeah, it is. It is. No, it's, it's terrible, because I really, I found it in, what, 1971, 72, when I first picked one up, and I've never really changed that feeling. It's always been Gibson Les Paul.
3: I know if I could handle it with my back, I would be very happy with one myself. So yep, it's it. there's a reason why they're on so many recordings. So many people have played them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Just get, get one of those Gracie stands and put it on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's some guy that does instructional videos that does that. He's got the guitar sits on a stand. walks, out the, And I'm like, jeez, geez, buddy, you could at least <laughs> strap the thing so you could show us how... Nobody's gonna play that way at a gig. Yeah, <laughs> you're not showing me anything.
3: Here. Yeah, and I can't just I can't abide by the stand for a guitar. That's just silly. Even for like you know, yeah, guys coming out with the power belts. They got the acoustic on the stand for playing, and then you know they swing the electric back
1: around. Oh, no. the, the Bon Jovi thing. First, yeah, now <laughs> the first time I saw that, so I saw Rush live, and they did the trees. You know, and they did that unrest in the forest. You know, with the and and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then, of course, he backs away. I was like, oh, that is so cool. I've got to do that.
0: <laughs> Those stands aren't cheap, man. They're like a hundred no. something dollars. No, they're not cheap. Yeah, just that. Well,
3: they're you know, if you're potentially holding like a three, four thousand dollar instrument Martin? on yeah. it, yeah, hundred bucks doesn't
0: sound well. So bad. I ain't taking any risk in putting it. Uh... If I get a three or four thousand dollar instrument, I'm not putting on one of those stands. Okay, (laughs) it's not going to (laughs) happen.
1: Well, we don't all have a guitar tech to run out and grab the guitar while we go and run our power cords. Oh, that's why I sold my pedal PA
3: on the way back. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've almost tripped over (laughs) my (laughs) tripped over my guitar stand on stage.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. I haven't had an accident. I used to run. I used to run wah pedals in different places on the stage. I'd have three of them. Yeah. So, I, if I was if a particular place and I needed one, I'd be, I'd be able to get to it. And I never tripped over anything. Like, I'd have cables everywhere, and oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm I tried
3: to keep my rig as simple as possible. It was, you know, I had a tube screamer on top of the amp, and yep. cord running to me, and that's it.
1: Now, was your tube yeah. screamer normally in an on, on
3: position then? Oh yes. Uh, and if I had a channel switcher to switch to clean, I just had the. You know, I, I ran the gain off and the volume all the way up. It was just basically to get that little bit of compression in the mid-bump.
1: Have you ever seen the Tube Screamer um, amplifier that uh, Ibanez puts out or put out?
0: I've seen I, them. I I've want never to check one in. out really bad.
1: I've, they had one. I don't know if they still have it in my guitar center. I thought about going down there and checking it out.
0: They're a really, really good. According to people I've talked to, they're a really, really, really good pedal platform.
3: Really? The demos sound kinda so, like uh the yeah. channel's voice
1: like a PV classic. Ooh. Clean channel. I like that.
0: Yeah. It's two hundred they got yeah. a, they got You may 100. wanna check it out.
1: Let me see. Hold, let me see if they've still got it. They had one for two hundred dollars and I was like, Oh, I gotta check. And uh
0: I would I would have just gone down there and bought it for two hundred bucks. I mean, you're not gonna go wrong. Well that's the thing, yeah. I thought You're not, loo- you're not gonna lo- <clears throat> use it as a backup
1: to my um
0: uh, my, like, oh yeah, they do it, have. This is it. Jim. He's strategizing. I'm gonna use this as a back. I'm like I would just use this as a toy. Like I don't even
1: care. <laughs> well, it would be. A, it would be a backup I thought to about my picking up the heads. Yeah, my my Hughes and Kettner <laughs> It would be a backup to my Hughes and Kettner yeah. But yeah, it is. It's two. Well, I want to. Two hundred bucks a, used.
0: A t- is it five watered the the. I guess are five and twenty. Fifteen. It's a fifteen, 15 but...
1: and they've got a thirty also. Right, but the fifteen, I think it has okay. a switch on the yeah. back. If I'm not mistaken, I,
0: I think know. it drops
3: it down to like seven and a half or whatever.
1: Yeah, seven and a half for five. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's yeah. a nice little. I head. want one. I've I've been thinking. I was poking around on a reverb the other day because I'm uh, I've been carrying my uh, my big full size recto cab the one twelve yep. up and down a flight of stairs when I rehearsed lately. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is just too much. Like, It's such a hassle to get it into rehearsal. So, like, maybe I should just get a small combo and just run the Helix into it. Yep. Um, you know, I haven't into, found a good uh, small combo with effects. Yeah. What well, you should look into
3: uh, there is uh, maybe one of those. Uh, well, do you insist on having a tube power amp or could it be a solid stage?
0: I actually kind of want to do the tube power amp with a okay. good, like, guitar. That's. But uh, if I was gonna go the other way, I would probably just get a uh, PA wedge.
3: Oh well, yeah, that would work. Uh, but find something like with a Neo speaker that you like. So they're super light. I've got a DV Mark Four Twelve. The thing weighs less than my Two Twelve. It weighs uh, less yeah, than my unloaded another, Marshall cat. Or, that, yeah, my Marshall Four Twelve when it didn't have speakers in it.
0: Those are right. Those are those are on my list too because I know DV like their stuff is super light. So yeah. Anyway. So. Alright, I think that's I think we're wrapping up, guys.
3: Yeah. Yeah, probably yeah. a good idea. I think dinner's about ready.
1: All right. Thanks. I can tell the littles are getting restless. Yep. Thanks for uh thanks for joining us. No problem. I'm sure we'll be in
0: touch. Anytime, Jim.
1: all, righty. all right, Yeah. Alright, so I was Jim. I was Jason.
0: And I was David.
1: And we're not anymore. Thanks everybody. <laughs>